<laughs> and it wasn't very profitable. We didn't make that much money, but it did actually carry me over to make rent one time. Like I think I had like $400 in my bank account and I needed 430. And so I made $30 in Uber. <laughs> I do remember like just barely scraping by just because of Uber. Welcome to Vent, a podcast featuring creatives, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the ways their talents connect to make them who they are. Today, you'll be listening to my story. Much of the content here is what inspired me to create Venn in the first place. Like all podcasts, you have to start somewhere, right? Well, here's mine. I hope you enjoy listening to Josiah Pierce and the story of Jossie. Because this is a storytelling podcast, I felt like the first story to tell is my own, Um, not out of pride or whatever, but I do want people to get to know who I am, and I feel like the best way to do that is to tell my story and maybe give a little bit of reasoning behind why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. Throughout my whole story, you're going to hopefully hear two major themes. Um, a passion for business, and a passion for design. My story really is where Venn came from because I feel like I'm at this weird section between those two things. I was actually homeschooled from K through 12. So my mother taught me almost every subject I took. There were a few exceptions to that, Uh, one of which is art lessons. I had formal art training for many years. I can't actually remember when they first started, but at a minimum, I was in art class from about age 12 to age 18, which is definitely a part of what has brought me here. But also the homeschooling side of things, I definitely would not be where I am now without the teaching from both my parents. Um, My mom is one of the most intelligent humans I've ever met. And my dad is one of the most humble and talented people I've ever met, but he won't tell you that. So my story kind of starts at around age four. My earliest memories were living in Richmond, Virginia area. And I really remember a lot of time spent in our basement. My dad... Uh, actually started his own business. He ran a civil engineering company, uh, and it was basically him and some contract labor here and there, but he pretty much ran his own engineering business. So he would go and do site analysis, and I'm probably not saying it right, but he would travel around the state, sometimes go in North Carolina, and he would basically do engineering work. And his home base Uh, where he did spend most of his business hours was in our basement. And so as a little kid, I remember sitting on that stool in his office, just sitting there watching him. You know, he was able to have lunch with us as a family, and we were able to go, you know, here and there, play catch in the front yard at like two o'clock. He had a, a good amount of flexibility with that company. And that I remember that as a child being kind of a big deal. 
But I would sit down there uh, sometimes on purpose to watch him, but also sometimes because I would be in timeout. So <laughs> I would be cutting up a ruckus in the house and my mom would send me downstairs and put me on that stool, probably to try to keep me quiet. You know, it's hard to make a lot of fuss when you're in your basement kind of alone and there's not much to do, but my dad was there. And so my earliest childhood memories are watching my dad. You know, I didn't know what he was doing. I just knew dad worked downstairs. But in 2001, the 9-11 economic kind of crash hit, and he had to basically close up his business, mainly for the sake of family. He and my mom made the decision to close the business and to seek employment elsewhere. And so that took our family to North Carolina, where we spent the rest of my childhood up until, you know, age 18. The moral of that story is I got to see my dad run a business. And as I grew up, I would learn more about what he did. And I was just fascinated by it. And I knew how much he loved it. And so I grew up just with that in the back of my head. And you know, it, it interested me. And so I'm I'm growing up in North Carolina now and I'm doing school and I was a very like all over the place kid. You know, my parents allowed me and my brother to do a lot of different things and pursue a lot of different interests, which was, I think, crucial to my development because I never really liked one thing. I wasn't like, oh, I'm a, you know, a, a basketball kid or a baseball kid. I was both. I just didn't I didn't ever really love any one thing enough to say no to everything else. You know, I was into all kinds of hobbies and interests. My parents would refer to it as being well-rounded. That's kind of how we were raised. Academically, you know, school was school. I liked certain things, but overall, I, 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 I would never explain myself as an academic person. I just, I, I did the best I could and got the best grades I could and did all right for myself, but it wasn't something that drove me. Throughout my whole childhood, I can look back and I do see a pattern of an interest in design. You know, I took art classes and it's hilarious because I don't think anybody noticed it at the time. I certainly didn't. But whenever I had an opportunity in art class, I would draw words or I would draw logos. I was just fascinated by typography and by branding. In Sunday school at church, I would just draw words. And I always wanted, it's so funny because I always wanted to be an artist, artist that just loved drawing like people or things. And it just never clicked for me. Like I can do it. I, I'm able to do it if I really try. But it's not something that comes naturally to me. And the reason I know that is because when I look back at my childhood, what came naturally to me was words. I would draw words and I would draw graffiti and I would draw, you know, like different things uh, in an artistic way, word wise. And I just remember doing that all the time. And I was a terrible speller. My handwriting was horrible, but I just loved doing words. And when I mean drawing words, I don't mean like, you know, little calligraphy, like letters. I mean, like big chunky like rough drawn out letters like huge bold like punch you in the mouth kind of words visually you know they weren't evil or angry but 
they were bold. And, you know, I, I look back and I was like, I, I guess I never noticed that that was like my my thing. But it was. So I'm taking formal art lessons. I'm learning a lot. I had several really great art teachers. One of them I'm really still in contact with today. And she kind of let me do whatever I wanted. You know, we did we did three-dimensional art. We did two-dimensional art. We did drawing. We did charcoal. We did all kinds of stuff. And she let me do some typography. And I always remembered enjoying it. And so that was like the design aspect of my childhood coming through. I can look back. Uh, my brother, who's who will tell you he's not very artistically inclined, he and I would draw around Christmas time a lot. And I remember, I, I doubt I have any of them. My mom might have a couple, but we would just draw like shapes and they would be these geometric patterns. And they had like very little meaning but they had symmetry and they had color. And it's just so interesting because like, that's all I care about is like shape and typography. I, I just love working with those two. And I feel like you can create so much with those. And then the other thing that we would do as kids is we would play with Legos. Legos were our life. And my mom and dad would always talk about how I just clicked with working with my hands at a really young age, like working with Legos. My mom talks about how I had scissors in my hand while I was in diapers and I would do that. And my mom would like watch me, but she was like, he can do it. And I did. And um, I do remember that as a kid, just really loving working with my hands. You know, my dad had us in the shop uh, working on stuff and we just, we loved it. I think that definitely contributed to my interest was I was able to develop those skills really early thanks to my parenting. So childhood, adolescence, high school, started. I started really looking into what I wanted to pursue in college. So one of those things, and I was almost positive I was going to do it, was architecture. I'd shadowed a couple architects. Um, I'd taken a drafting course and loved it. And I just felt like, you know, I really think architecture is for me. And so I started thinking in that framework, but I took one internship, you know, I shadowed one time. And I remember talking to this architect who was a good friend of ours. And I remember him telling me, you know, sometimes Josiah, you'll work on these projects and the project will last two to three years and then something will come up. And all that work you've done and this like, you know, kind of child you've taken care of, all of a sudden someone goes, we're not going to do it. And this project is over. I remember him saying that. And I could almost see it in his voice like he had kind of had enough of it. And uh, I think he's still an architect to this day, but he does more consulting now. And I just remember being like, man, like... If he's working at this firm, which was like a premier firm in the Raleigh area, I don't know if I want to do architecture. You know, if he's that, right? Like if he's that high up and doing that well and he doesn't like it, or even if he's just remotely tired of it, I don't know if I want to do it. And looking back, that was probably not founded in a whole lot of fact, but that's how I felt. And he also told me another thing that really set it in stone was he was like, you got to know math and you got to love math. And, you know, I was decent at math, but it was not the love of my life. I never wanted to do it for a job. And he 
you know, he said something else. He said, there's a lot of rule following, you know, you gotta, you gotta follow the laws. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to be like Frank Gehry. I kind of want to be like him. And he's like one of the most famous architects. And, you know, Frank Gehry has other people that follow the law and he just kind of draws up this stuff. And um, so I had this very like glamorized view of what architecture could be. And so I felt like I was drifting away from that quite a bit. And uh, I remembered visiting schools and the next thought was, well, maybe an art degree or business. And I just remember business being on my mind. You know, my mom had a business major and I felt like we had a lot in common and I just heard her college journey and I was like, that might be right. And so I just remember having that in the back of my head. But there was something else that came up and I remembered being on the phone with an admissions counselor and they're like, well, what are you interested in? And I was like, mom, what am I interested in? I don't know. Like, how do I describe what major I want? And I don't even know where the term came from. I don't think I had shadowed anybody in this field, but I remember saying, um, graphic design, do you guys have that? Do you guys have graphic design? And I think I just heard it somewhere. I don't really think I'd looked into it that much. But one thing led to another, and all of a sudden, I shadowed a graphic designer. And he was working for a well-known American company that is a household name. And I shadowed him, and he actually ironically worked from home. I remembered that. And I think he would go into the office here and there, but he worked from home, and I just thought that was so cool. To my knowledge, that was the first human being I'd met that I'd shadowed who worked from home like my dad and I remembered being like that's awesome that's super cool and he was just telling me about what he did and I remembered very distinctly that he said something that just rang my chimes and I said how long do your projects last and he was like honestly sometimes they last up to a day I mean I can get a project start to finish done in a day and I was like that's it that's what I want so I asked him again, I said, well, what's the longest project you've had? And he said, uh, you know, a couple months, maybe a year tops. And he actually came from being an industrial designer. So he designed like kiosks. And he said, you know, I started transitioning out of industrial design when I worked on something for like three years and the project got scrapped. And I was like, yeah, I basically could never work a job where my like work got scrapped like that and I worked that long on it and so that kind of set the tone and I was like I think I'm gonna go to school for graphic design and so I did I went to school for graphic design declared my major before I got there never changed it never really questioned it got to school first semester and I just remember calling my mom and being like mom this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And so freshman year flies by. Uh, everything's going really well. I got really plugged into the school I attended. And my second year, I remembered going, yeah, this is awesome. I'm loving this. And even in the summertime, winter break, I just remember doing design work, uh, whether that was on the computer or drawing it up. But I also had a passion for video. I uh, never really captured that in college. 
but I was really passionate about video. I actually started a YouTube channel. I believe it was my first summer home, and it was about video games and video game news. I really had fun with it. Never materialized to much, but I had a lot of fun. Second year goes on, sophomore year. Again, I got really plugged into my school, started doing student leadership of my school and pairing that with design. And I just remember falling in love with the program. But to kind of take my story to the next step, we actually have to jump back. At a pretty early age, maybe high school, I got really interested in like sales. I worked at a restaurant and (laughs) that's not really where my love for sales started, but I loved the restaurant. I loved the social aspect, talking to customers, hearing what they needed. And I sold a lot in the sort of golden era of Craigslist. This was back before Facebook Marketplace was a thing, but very much like what I do now in Facebook Marketplace. But I remember I would sell things once I got tired of using them or wanted something different. And one of those big things I sold was my entire Airsoft collection. I wanted a snowboard really bad. And so I sold my entire Airsoft collection. And I remember just loving selling. But before I sold my Airsoft collection, I actually started on Craigslist selling things I got for free. So one of my friends gave me a computer and I asked him, I said, hey man, I know you gave this to me me for free, but can I sell it? Can I try to sell it on Craigslist? And he was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I did. And I didn't sell it, I traded. I traded something for it. You know, I traded for a different kind of computer. So I I traded it for another computer and it wasn't that great, but it was better than what I had. And I just started like falling in love with upselling basically. I would take something, I would, I knew its value and I would trade for something better. And I started with this computer that had pretty much no value. And I ended up with a Microsoft Surface. And at the time, this had just came out. And I traded for a used Surface. And I was like, oh my goodness. I started with pretty much nothing. And now I have this really cool tablet. And that was just the coolest thing to me. The other thing I did in high school that was kind of resurfacing in college was I took a HTML, CSS, and JavaScript class. So a basic front-end web design class. And that was my favorite class in school, ever. I actually dropped out of web design two because it wasn't for me. I didn't like the back-end side. So that was mainly like JavaScript and I believe it was PHP, but even that I didn't really like. And I remember feeling like, well, I'm never going to do web design. I can't even do web design two in high school, but I loved web design one. Oh my goodness. I loved it. I had some pretty hideous designs, but I loved the idea of coding or just like making something. And it was like a game or a puzzle to me. So I circle back to my, my sophomore year and I'm like, maybe I like web design. So that's kind of in the back of my head. I take an internship. I didn't do a lot of web, to be honest, but I the more and more I worked at that internship, the more I realized, yep, I like web design. I like it a lot. So this summer, I'm you know doing this internship, working really hard, and 
one thing kind of leads to another. This is after my sophomore year. So I actually didn't do an internship after my freshman year, which isn't common. It's not necessarily that common to do it one after your sophomore year, but I did it. One thing led to another, and financially, I was basically at a crossroads where I had to decide if I wanted to take on a lot more student loans or I had to graduate in three years. And I remember talking to my mom and I'm like, mom, I think I can graduate in three years. Here's my degree completion plan. And all I need to do is take some summer classes. And I was like, I just need to take one or two summer classes this summer. And then I need to take a couple after my third year. So I'll basically walk at graduation and then I'll do like two classes online and I'll be done in three years and I will spend half as much money (laughs) in loans. And I didn't really love the idea, but it was too hard to say no to because just some things in life had happened and it just felt like it was the clear choice. And so what ended up happening my third year, I I don't really know how to refer to it because it's it's like my junior year, but it's my senior year. And so I'm taking 18 credit hours and I was working, uh, I never did the math, but I was working about 25 to 30 hours a week. Pretty brutal. It was a lot. I remember sleeping four or five hours every night. Come home after doing school or whatever, 2 a.m., get up at 7, start all over again. And then Saturdays, I remember doing school. And then, well, sometimes I would do Saturday as my sleep day. And then Sunday, I would finish all my school. But I'd really work like a six-day week. And, you know, I would I would work on Saturdays or sleep or work on Sundays and sleep or whatever. And it was tough. It was really hard. I actually ended up getting a minor in photography The long-term goal was to get a double major if I was going to do those four years. So I had enough credits to basically finish my graphic design degree and then transition into finishing a business degree. I really wanted to do that. I remember wanting that uh, really badly, but it just didn't make sense. Didn't, Didn't add up. And so I graduated in three years. So in uh, 2018, I completed my degree and I remember walking, which was, I remember being so tired. It wasn't even something I remember. Like I just, it was kind of a blur and I don't really think I ever took time to view it as an achievement. I just view it as like, that's done on to the next thing. And so I had landed and (laughs) due to the circumstances of my internship, I had to land two internships. Uh, one wasn't very rigorous. It was about one day a week, but I ended up having two. So I graduate college. I didn't even really take a trip or anything. And then I kind of went right into my internship about a week later. One of my classmates and a good friend who I'm still friends with today, she was like, so what's next for you? Like you graduate in three years, like you just kind of like rushed through school, like what do you want to do? Because, you know, this is the age where you're like, what do you want to do? You know, talking about the future. And I remember instantly, like without pause going, I want to work, pay off my student loans 
and then I want to go and work for myself and start a company. Almost, I don't even remember thinking about it. I just started coming out of my mouth. And she was like, cool, I can see you doing that or something like that. And that's all she said. (laughs) And I actually met with her a few weeks ago, which is kind of funny. And she asked me what I'm doing and I told her. And she was like, that's crazy because we had that conversation three years ago or four now. Anyway, so we have this conversation. I'm like, I want to work for myself. I want to start a company as soon as I can. So I started these two internships, uh, again, being confirmed that I really like web. One of the things that this internship did that's crazy to look back on is it wasn't paid. So I remember my kind of internship supervisor telling me, hey, like we can't pay you, but we're going to kind of mentor you And to make money, we want you to get on this platform called Upwork. And we want you to freelance on there. And you're going to start, you're going to start at like $7 an hour or something ridiculously low, but you're going to make some money and we're going to help you through these projects. And (laughs) looking back, the internship was kind of bizarre because I was getting internship credit for it, but I was actually doing a different internship that was paid and I, because of the way it signed up, I didn't get it in time for it to count, but the paid internship was way more like of what an internship should have been, and the experience was really good, and the money was there. I was actually getting paid, but this other internship, it's so funny because this internship was like monumental to my life, monumental, because they got me accidentally freelancing. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you will hear of an unusual interest that became my Venn moment, ultimately leading to the founding of Jossie. And I didn't really think of it as that. I thought of it as an internship where I was, hey, this is how I make money. But I started interning with them and I was doing Upwork, which was freelancing, kind of like Uber for freelance or Etsy for freelancing. And I started really low, I think it was $12 an hour. And I just started getting these clients that were marketing agencies wanting white label work. If you don't know what white labeling is, it's basically where an agency hires somebody for cheaper than their in-house staff to do something that they've been asked to do. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But it is cool because it allows someone like me at the time to do some pretty cool work. And so I worked with these, uh, you know, really inexpensive projects. And I had one client who was really interesting. And he had me doing work on Squarespace. And it was really basic web editing and content moderation. And I finished my summer and I remembered landing this client. So short story short, uh, I took a full-time position with the paid internship. They turned out to be a job that I had for almost two years. But I was moonlighting, which moonlighting is when you work outside of normal business hours on something outside of your normal day-to-day job. And so I was moonlighting for this client, and they were in London. 
So I would actually, I remember this to this day, I would wake up at like 6.30 and I would hop on a Zoom call at 7 to basically hit the time zone of this London client because I think it was like lunchtime for them. It's like 12 o'clock. So I would get up at 7. It worked out nicely because I, I would basically get up before work. I'd be nice and awake for my job, but I'd meet with this client in London and know what I needed to do. And then I would work typically uh, 9 to 5 for my job. And then after that, I would do three or four hours for this London client. And it would end up making me a couple hundred dollars a week. But I just loved it. It was really fun. You know, I stayed with Upwork. And if you know anything about Uber or Upwork, they are review driven. So you want a good review. And the more reviews you have, the more you can start charging because people start looking at your reviews. And I remember just building this slow and steady client base in Upwork. And I don't think I ever gave myself a raise. I think I stayed at like $12 an hour or something. But I get these reviews and I was like, well, it's kind of nice to be top rated on Upwork and it's kind of in my back pocket if I ever need it. And so I did that in alongside of my job for about six to eight months. And then I got pretty worn out and I said, hey, I need to kind of cut this off. So this is about 2019 and I was working full time for the job that I had, the first kind of real job I had. And I had a great relationship, had an awesome boss, had an awesome coworker. I still talk to them to this day. And that's kind of where my sort of vocational career started. So I'm at this job. It's uh, 2019, spring of 2019. And I just remember wanting to move, wanting to move to California, just being like, hey, going to pay off my debts because I had some student loans. And once those are paid off, I'm moving West Coast. I want to move in like Southern California, like LA or Orange County. And I remember just kind of viewing this job as this transitional job. And I really got this bug to move West Coast. And I had a roommate at the time who's kind of one of my best friends now. He was working at an agency in town. I was I was kind of envious of him because he was working at a design agency and I wasn't. But I was doing web design work. And he was just kind of like getting perpetually kind of fed up with his job. He was getting tired of it. And I knew he was kind of looking onward. And he, he and I would always talk about starting a company together. And he would we would always talk about it. You know, summer, I went on this road trip. I went cross country with him and another friend of mine. And I just remember, man, I got to get out to the West Coast. I just love it out here. I'm going to move. Uh, I come back from that trip and I actually meet my now wife. <laughs> And of course, like we start dating and that completely like derails my West Coast thing, uh, which I was fine with. You know, I met the love of my life. Fall starts coming in, fall of 2019. And uh, my my good friend just is like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm leaving my job. And he's like, I'm going to start building a company, a design agency. And he's like, I really want you to do it with me. And I was like, well, shoot, man, like. I'm kind of locked in. I'm paying off loans. Like, this isn't a great time for me to be doing this. Can you wait? And and he was like, no, I'm doing it now. He starts, and I actually ended up getting shoulder surgery. So I have, like, 
you know, seven days off because it was a pretty crazy surgery. And I remember my, my employer was like, yeah, like, you know, here's PTO. We, I had PTO saved up. So I get this shoulder surgery. And in parallel with that, my roommate's like, I'm starting this company. Like, I want you in on it. And he was like, I want you to be the co-founder essentially. And I was like, well, I do have seven days off. And after some things have transpired, I I think I kind of want to try doing this. And so we started building this company while I was honestly high on Percocets or something, high tolerance pain pills. And we built this company together. And uh, we built like a brand. And um, I remember being like, yeah, I think I'm going to put in my two weeks notice when I come back. And I told a bunch of people, and I remember distinctly, everybody thought I was crazy, uh, except for my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, who was all on board. For some reason, she just knew it would work. Um, <laughs> and we would go on these drives, and I would tell her my dreams, and she would be like, yeah, yeah, like, I think you should do this. You're explaining it in a way that means you should do it. And she's actually a, a clinical mental health counselor. So she was like my therapist, you know, and um, I remember her saying it's a good idea. And I remember telling my mom and she was taking care of me when I was doing surgery. And I remember my mom, like I was terrified because I was like, oh, she's just going to think I'm being basically naive. And I remember her going, I think you can do it. And I was like, okay, that's all I needed. I'm doing it. So I told Joe, hey, I'm going to get out of my PTO. and I'm going to put in my two weeks notice, basically. And um, I think I ended up giving them three weeks, but Joe was just like thrilled. This is my best friend. Uh, still is. And um, he was like amazed that I did it. And I think he was just super excited. And I was too. I was so excited. And so we started working on this little agency together. And honestly, we didn't really know what we were doing. But I remembered when I was explaining this to my mom, I said, she's like, well, how how are you going to make money right out of the gate? Because like, you don't have any savings and your money from your work is going to dry up. And I was like, well, I think I can just do Upwork if I have to. And that will, I know I can make what I made at my job with Upwork. I just need some time. And so my mom was like, okay, that makes sense. So me and Joe are doing this, this partnership. And um, basically, we were really struggling landing the kind of clients we needed to <laughs> pay the bills for both of us. So we have like this, this panic setting in a little bit, at least I did, where I'm like, where's the money coming from? Like, <laughs> and um, the... The short answer to what happened to that company was we did not have enough financial runway to start a partnership. To this day, I am very much of the opinion you need about a year's worth of income to start a successful partnership. That's my opinion. I think when you're freelancing, it's a little easier because 100% of your revenue is 100% yours. And it allows for you to run on like a paper thin budget. And push came to shove and Joe and I amicably said, hey, 
Joe, you started this LLC, you keep it. I'm going to have to start my own LLC, and basically I'm going to freelance on Upwork. And so I did. And money was tight. Oh my goodness, money was so tight. I remember being like, okay, I have $2 in my bank account, literally. What am I going to do for food? And the answer was, I'm going to go buy a couple packs of ramen and wait for my next Upwork payout. That is literally how I stayed afloat. And Joe and I were both, we were kind of doing the same thing, but on two different companies now. And we were both broke. Like, we had no money. And Joe just goes, do you want to just start Ubering? Like, I think we could make, like, 20 bucks a day. And we could probably make rent, you know? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I think we should. And I have a, I have a husky. <laughs> I have a dog like that sheds and I had a still have a beater car. And um, so I I remember taking the car to a car wash and vacuuming it out, <laughs> getting all the husky hair out. And like it didn't look like I owned a husky anymore, practically. And I remember we'd Uber and, <laughs> and it wasn't very profitable. We didn't make that much money, but it did actually carry me over to make rent one time. Like I think I had like $400 in my bank account and I needed 430. And so I made $30 in Uber. <laughs> I do remember like just barely scraping by just because of Uber. I didn't, I remember like not asking my parents for money. I really didn't want to do that. I did take one loan out from my mom for $600, but it was actually to pay a lawyer <laughs> to create my business. So I never really took a loan out to survive. It was to try to reinvest in the business. So this is like early spring of 2020. And so I'm like scraping by, like just barely. And I remember eating like Cheetos for breakfast, like hot Cheetos. <laughs> I'd hop in my car at like 6 a.m. and I'd try to pick up an Uber and I had no food. So I'd eat like a blob of peanut butter or flaming hot Cheetos, kid you not. I had a had it in my dash or like in my floorboard and I was just like eating Cheetos, like trying to get an Uber call. And I'd stop Ubering at around eight, probably not make any money, honestly. And I would go to work and work uh, on Upwork mainly. And so I did this with Joe in tandem. He had some clients of his own and we would go work at coffee shops or at our school's uh, library. And it was so fun. I loved it. I, I like, honestly, I look back and those are some of my favorite memories ever was working with Joe because we just had so much fun. And I remember he and I would, it would be about two or three and we'd be worn out and he'd be like, you ready to pack it up? Ready to wrap it up? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I remember doing that a lot, like at three o'clock. Like now I'm like, how did I ever like work till three? But I did. We did it a lot where we, we would kind of cut off our day there because we'd we'd probably get a lot done honestly uh because we were we had nobody to answer to but our bank account you know and our bank account was small so we were motivated and you know those were precious memories i look back so fondly you know so i'm, I'm scraping by and as i'm doing this i'm slowly building my rapport in upwork and i'm i'm up to a decent hourly rate now you know it's not like a joke anymore and uh, so I have this decent little hourly rate and 
So I keep doing Upwork. So yeah, I've built up a little bit of rapport on the platform and I really enjoyed working on Upwork. I actually still work on Upwork to this day somewhat, but I just remember it being so tight, like money was very tight. So I'm I, I'm building some rapport on Upwork and my hourly rates kind of going up and I just remember enjoying that time, enjoying what I was doing, but money was just so tight. And, uh, you know, I started uh, my company, which is a take on my name. It's called Jossie. Jossie was formed in spring of 2019. And from basically the day I quit my job to that point, I was just broke. Just trying to build Jossie, trying to, to add and add and add to it. You know, I just remember driving because sometimes I go on drives I'd just be stressed and I needed to do that. And I remember being like, this has to work. This just has to work. There's no other option. And I, <laughs> I mean, there were other options. I just, I kind of like refused to see them because I didn't want to do them. And I, it's not that I was afraid of failure, but I just felt like failure wasn't the outcome that this deserved. I felt like this deserved to work. Like, and I just felt like it has to work. And so if you know anything about March of 2020, uh, COVID started, the coronavirus, as we called it, we didn't call it COVID then. So all of a sudden, all of my friends are getting laid off or they're working from home. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. Like I probably would have been laid off and I already am working from home. Like this is no different to me. And the web movement just exploded like absolutely exploded. And I'm just like riding this wave of honestly like client work that's not super high paying, but the quantity just started coming in. I remember being like, yes, nice. And um, so I'm still broke. <laughs> I'm still broke, but I remember like feeling like, yeah, I'm broke, but like I'm paying rent. Like I can pay rent each month. And so my my money starts being more and more predictable. And uh, I start telling people like, yeah, I'm I started this company called Jossie. And they're like, what, Josie? Like <laughs> to this day, people call it Josie. And it's not, it's Jossie. It's J-O-S-S-I. That's how it's pronounced. Yeah, so I started Jossie, started getting some traction in like late spring of 2020. But I'm still working like crazy hours. I remember working several all-nighters. Uh, I remember I would like watch a, f a recorded Formula One race or a couple of them and I'd stay up all night and I'd brew a cup of coffee at like 11 and that was like power hour like from like 11 till like 10 a.m. maybe 8 and um, that's what got it done. That's what paid the bills and so summer of 2020 my other roommate who is a grad student, similar career path, like similar interests. He's like, hey, you know, um, I think I might have some work for you. And it was kind of one of those breakthrough clients. And I remembered he and I would work on the, the work together. So that was part of the deal was he and I would work on this client work together. And because of that, I needed to charge a pretty large fee for these projects and so I remembered sending out this proposal and I was like man this is never gonna go through <laughs> I was like there's no way 
And I was actually sitting like five feet from where I am now. I was at the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is where I'm located now. Uh, That's where my office is. And I was sitting right over there at that table that you can't see. And I got an email from the client and they said, looks good, this is approved. And they were talking about the proposal I sent. And I just remember tears just like coming down my face. Like I just broke down and was just crying. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. And that was kind of the moment where I knew it's okay to charge what something's worth. That was a really pivotal moment for me because I was kind of getting burnt out being cheap. (laughs) I was like, ugh, like I'm kind of burnt out. Like I'm working really hard. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I'm, this is not sustainable. And I knew that. And that was kind of a marquee moment. So he and I worked together all that summer. Um, and that actually carried on into like for about a year, you know, he and I worked on that project and Joe, meanwhile, um, moves away. And this friend also moved away. He got a job and it's an awesome job and he's really happy. But basically I was falling in love and uh, I got engaged to my wife, Amber. And I was like, I think I'm moving to the Outer Banks with Amber. So that kind of led to everybody sort of moving away. So yeah, I'm working with Jossie still and I started kind of like actually making some money. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. Actually making what you're worth. But I was still working crazy hours, like crazy hours. I got to kind of my wedding day. (laughs) And I remember working on something for a client on my wedding day. And I was like, whoa, like I need to not do that anymore. (laughs) I was just working so much. But I loved what I was doing. You know, that carried on until end of 2021. You know, 2022 started and I started making some changes. And I was like, okay, this is a sustainable living for me. And it's going quite well. But I want to do some things on my own terms. And one of those is I want clients that, you know, I really am honestly in love with the work I do for them. And or the work I do kind of impacts society in a positive way. But the other major thing was I wanted to start creating content again. I was creating some YouTube content that summer of 2021 and I loved doing it, but it wasn't making any money. And I had to say, hey, like this isn't making any money. So I had to change that up. But now I'm able to do that. And that's kind of how Venn started. And, you know, there's another whole podcast episode about, you know, Venn and my my vision for it and my dream. But if I could tell anyone my story and like the moral of the story is I don't think everybody's wired to do what I did. I don't really think everybody should do what I did. But I do think anyone could do what I've done. And that's something that I really want to get across is there's nothing super duper special about me. I just really wanted it. And I worked really, really hard to get it. And I got really lucky. I got really lucky along the way. And it's brought me to where I am now. But my story is really interesting because 
I didn't realize all of these really foundational moments of my life contributing to where I am now. Like I had to get here and then look back. You know, I always loved my dad's business. I loved watching it. Like that's not something I learned now. I've known that my whole life. But I didn't really notice the whole thing about loving writing letters and words. I didn't really notice that I loved business and sales more than, I I didn't realize how much I loved that. But wow, it's gotten me here. My love for business is the sole reason that I have a business that's functioning, because I love it. And if I can do anything through this podcast or the content I create, I want to show people that it's really not rocket science. It's just a passion and effort and a love for what you're doing. I'm so blessed and fortunate to be where I am. And I want to be able to pass that on in any way that I can. You know, there's there's a video I'm looking to make that's about when it's time to cry. You know what? My life after college is an emotional experience. Like starting your own business is like an emotional thing. And um, I want to be able to convey that. I want to share that. And that's how, that's the Jossie story. I, it's so funny because like I think I'm going to title this the story of Jossie. But I haven't really mentioned it a lot. And the reason why I haven't is because Jossie is me. There's not really that much else behind the brand. Jossie's uh, an alternate way of saying my name. It's a nickname. And there's some little nuances here and there, but the Jossie story is me, plain and simple. And so that's really where the story ends as far as present day. But I'm completely in love with what I do. And I think what's funny is sometimes I feel like I have to explain that to clients because I think they don't really grab a hold of that. And my hope is that this podcast episode particularly is kind of a gateway into that. My just absolute love for what I'm doing. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Venn, it helps a lot if you can give the podcast a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to visit jossie.co forward slash Venn if you would like to leave feedback. And if you're more into video, you can visit my YouTube channel. I'm Josiah Pierce, and this has been Venn, a Jossie podcast.